Welcome back to an all-new episode of DirtCast. I am your co-host, Megan Reynolds. And I am the other co-host, Madeline Davies. On this week's episode, we are going to be taking a look back on some of our favorite episodes of the past year. We'll be chatting a little bit about the year in celebrity. And also, I would like to remind each and every one of you that we have something very exciting coming up in January. It is... A live show. It is Dirtcast Live. It will be at the Brooklyn Podcast Festival. It's at the Bell House on January 13th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $10. Uh, I was thinking the other day, that's like what a latte basically costs in New York now. Wow. That's true. With tip. Okay. For the price of one slightly overpriced I'm saying latte. I'm you got like a latte and then like a, a muffin. Yeah, so the price of a latte and a muffin, the price of your like panic breakfast on your way to a big job interview, yeah. you could sit at the bell house amongst peers and friends and watch Maddie and I do what we're doing in the studio, but at you. At you. One of us will be wearing a lot of makeup. That's me. Oh, yeah. Both of us will be wearing some something fancy, I assume. I mean, I would hope. We will have special guests. They have not been announced yet. Keeping them in our hat. We are. It's going to be really fun. I, for one, am nauseous with excitement and nerves. Sure. I mean, I just am excited for you all to have an opportunity to take in some real culture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll also be wearing a monocle, just you know, and it might <laughs> pop out when I get surprised about something. Maddie and I are actually going to choreograph an interpretive dance to a song from the Stars Born soundtrack. Um, we tested that at a wedding this year. Uh, don't this make past promises year. that we're not going <laughs> to keep. Don't make promises that um, we're not going to keep. That is the first time I've told her of this plan. We'll discuss it offline. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Maddie. Megan. How are you? I'm doing fine. Yeah? I kind of went on like a pretty sad internet spiral last night. Oh, which boy. Is, I started looking at Pet Finder. Oh. Because I've got it in my head that like a dog will save me. You guys don't need it. Okay. Why don't I need a dog? Do you think the cats would like a dog? They need something to ride That's around. True. <laughs> That's true. I've been saying that for years now. <laughs> but a part of me is just like, oh, that would be nice. And then I, like, picked three mm. and then uh, realized um, when the gummy wore off that uh, <laughs> when I was no longer that I am to. actually more prepared for zero. So <laughs> now every dog I see on the street, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it just, like, means none of us should have the internet after 10 p.m. I, I think nothing good noth happens. I agree 100%. How are you? I am fine. I watched, I spent my morning watching part of the Pentatonix Christmas special that aired. Yikes. Yeah. Trying to make a little blog about it. It's called Pentatonix Not So Silent Night. Uh, <laughs> a threat if I ever fucking heard one. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the name of a horror movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The premise essentially is a horror movie. The premise seems to be they're in Vegas and they're like recounting. They like can't remember what happened the night before because they're so crazy, hopped up on fucking like five-part harmony or whatever. So it's like they're sitting in a suite at Caesar's Palace and they're like going over like, why are you dressed like a gondolier? Like, why are you wearing like a Roman gladiator costume? And then there's like you go back. Kelly Clarkson's there. The Backstreet Boys are there. I believe Marin Morris is there, but I haven't gotten to that part yet. It's not great. Also, it's like 
Nick Carter was like accused of sexually assaulting someone this year and everyone just forgot also that. Also true. Yeah. Here I like that. Are. I like that Maren Morris though. Yeah, me too. I wish she hadn't sullied her personal brand by appearing on a Pentatonix Christmas special. You know, we but- all we all have uh, <laughs> done things. Made podcasts. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we have. As we look back mm-hmm. at this year. I love to look back. Um, I love to look back at it. I just want to like, how are you feeling about 2018? Oh my goodness. As a whole. Oh, 2018, again, we've been doing a lot of year-end stuff at Jezebel and I have been tasked with like thinking of things that happened in 2018. Yeah. Truly the only thing I can really remember is Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande, which means that my brain is now um, irreparably broken in a way that I hope can be fixed, but I don't know if it can. Yeah. What about you? One of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, I can't wait for this hell year to be over Mm. because like Terrible things like no, no calendar. That's true. Um, They operate like in a timeless like sphere. And I feel like people have been saying this since like 2015. Totally. And then it's like every year has gotten progressively worse. Yeah. And so, I don't know. 2019 is like when the primaries are going to start heating up. Like nothing about this next year is going to be cute. Nothing about it's going to be cute. I mean, life is essentially death by a thousand paper cuts, right? I mean, here's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Grab your loved ones. Grab them. Give them a squeeze. Yeah. Find like those few things that can make you happy and let yourself feel happy about it. That's true. Don't let yourself get feel guilty about being happy about it. Just let yourself like enjoy something for a little while. Yeah. Do whatever you can to get not- a dog. Get a do- Okay. Great advice. Everyone who doesn't have a dog who is listening, um, go get one. I'm actually, please don't do that. Don't. The shelter system would be so mad They at would me. be overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> Maddie's right, though. Don't get mired in, like, the poop because it's so easy. There's so much of it. But if there's some things that make you happy, I don't know, man. Do it. Yeah. Be it Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> if she's the only thing that makes you happy, do you feel burned by the fact that I won that bet about Pete and Ariana? Or do you feel... Like, it was the right thing for them to end their engagement. (sighs) Well, I knew that you would win because I feel like every bet that I've ever made, I have lost. Yeah, that's probably why you didn't want to bet me $200. I did not. (laughs) That's certainly why I did not want to bet you $200. I think that their their love, love is a generous word to use for the union between them. But I think we could call it like her digmatization. Oh, yeah. She was digmatized. She was definitely digmatized. Looking back at it now, I can see, like, all the halt, like, the signs. She was digmatized. It's okay. It happens to the best of us. It would have, like, crashed at some point. So it's best that it did when it did. And it gave us thank you next. Yeah. It's like it never happened. kind of a wild year as far as, like, Hollywood and celebrities go because, as we've talked about, so much has happened that it's hard to even remember what happened. Yeah. But, like... The Weinstein thing was October of last year. And then kind of throughout, I would say, the first several months of 2018, Uh like, the Me Too movement, like, really commanded the attention. Mm -hmm. And now, like, even that feels like kind of a distant memory. Like, I feel like all of these people who are like, how would these men's careers ever be saved as if that matters? Mm. All of these people could just, like, have a comeback now because it feels like it was such a million years ago. That's true. That I think people are like, you know, 
He served his time. Yeah, enough time has passed. He stayed at his, you know, Beaver Creek home for a few <laughs> months and really thought about things. I so. mean, Louis C.K. is already, like, making his comeback. Aziz Ansari, I think, is going on tour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we talked about, like, a breakup. But yeah. But there was also the nuptials of the century, mm. not talking about Harry and Meghan. No. Even though that was this year, too. That was. Fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Or Priyanka and Nick. Or Priyanka and which Nick. Which is also this year. I'm talking about Justin <laughs> Bieber and Haley Baldwin. They got married. They're still married. Yeah. She's now Haley Bieber. She's Haley Bieber. Congrats to them. And congrats to Nick and Priyanka. Yeah, and to Harry and Meghan. And to Harry and Meghan. (laughs) That's crazy. There was a royal wedding this year. What about things to look forward to in 2019? Oh, my God. Let's see. Or to dread. I don't Mm. know. I'm curious to see. I'm never really curious about the fucking awards season. I was going to say awards season. But um, I am curious to see if they're going to let the Oscars go on without a host. Because yeah, of all be the Kevin Hart stuff. Kevin Hart, yeah, was chosen as the Oscars host and, and then quickly stepped down after people pointed out that he is uh, kind of a homophobe. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. The whole thing was kind of a whirlwind. It happened so quickly because it was like, no one wants to host the Oscars. Kevin Hart wants to host the Oscars. Oh, my God, Kevin Hart tweeted all these things that are, like, rude about gay people. Okay, now Kevin Hart's not doing it. Yep. And then now it's like, I think now they're saying, like, maybe they don't need a host. And I think they probably don't. Like, it could be a mic stand covered in a sheet, and that would be cute. Get a ghost. Get a ghost. Yeah, get a ghost. I posed this. I saw The Favorite last week. Mm, Um, I really want to see that. It's so good. But Olivia Colman I fucking love her. Yeah, she's incredible in everything. Um, But she plays Queen Anne, and she's kind of this, like, insane— like hypochondriac. She's very uh, needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she owns 17 rabbits. Me too. Um, and I was just like, I want her to host just as Queen Anne. I want like a character to host it. <laughs> it should just be Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Mm, as Allie as and Allie and Jackson. See, I would take it. Maya Rudolph could do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I guess award season is something I'm thinking about for 2019. How much living coral we'll see on the red carpet. (laughs) Pantone's color of the year. Yeah. I hope the red carpet is a coral carpet, a living coral Mm. carpet. It actually is made of real coral. Yeah. A giant ecological disaster. <laughs> yeah, you fall down and just like destroy <laughs> your, your whole body. Your cut. Um, I'm into that. I feel like uh, <laughs> the red carpet should be like a feat of strength. Like you have to like go through a whole obstacle. Oh, that would be so much that fun. That would be dope. That would be amazing. I would love that. Like Ryan Seacrest already kind of is like a Hunger Games-esque yeah, that's master true. ceremony. That's true. Like I want to see like Julia Roberts having to like crawl through like a mud uh, you know. Yeah, or you have like those mud strings pit. and you have to like go, you have to like belly crawl under the strings to yeah. like make it to like Juliana Rancic who's like waiting over there for you. Right. That's fun. That's the reward is you have to talk to Juliana Rancic. <laughs> it's just like you got through it. It's like another obstacle. Like she's praying like. mantis that lives inside <laughs> of her like breaks out and tries to eat you. So maybe a producer for the Oscars will hear this. Oh, that'd be so much And fun. take what we've said into consideration because I think that would really up viewership. Social media would be ablaze. Yeah. I don't know. Just consider it. I honestly am not prepared mentally, emotionally, or physically to, like, fathom what could come next year. Yeah. Um, all I can say is it's going to be a wild and crazy ride. <laughs> 
So we are about to get into some of our favorite clips from 2018. Please listen along with us if this is your first time. It's a good little buffet of what we have to offer. If you've been with us for a long time, hey, let's just like remember some things. Let's go back into the scrapbook of our lives and our friendship, our auditory friendship. Yes. We are going to be off for the holidays. So we're going to go dark for about a month. We will be back with our live episode, which will be the Wednesday following the 13th. And then we'll be back to normal. So please enjoy. In August, we did an episode where we talked about two big Asian-American movies, Crazy Rich Asians and To All the Boys I've Loved Before. We were joined by E. Alex Jung, who is a staff writer at Vulture, friend of the podcast. Those two movies were really important to me. I mean, Crazy Rich Asians especially. I saw it twice in theaters, which is something that I would never normally do. I did as well. Um, it was... I cried both times. I mean, they were both just... Those are two bright things that happened this year that I've forgotten about. But they were both really good movies, really good for representation and all that stuff. I just watched Searching, which is that John Oh, Cho I want to see that. Um, I heard it was good. And then Killing Eve, too. Is yeah. Like, you know, it's like sad when you have to like pinpoint these few things that happen yeah. and be like, it was a good year. Right. But like comparably... It was a good year. To the rest, to like all of the years that have preceded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's silly to be like five movies or TV shows happened that featured like predominantly Asian cast. This is like the beginning of a wave because this is how it should always be. But I'm hoping that it is the beginning of something. So here are some excerpts from our conversation with E. Alex Jung. Part of the reason for me why I enjoyed... Crazy Rich Asians so much is because it is not a hard scrabble immigrant like sewing gold into like the lining of your jacket and like <laughs> running with your baby daughter in a basket kind of shit, <laughs> which is like, I mean, the Joy Luck Club is great. It's melodramatic in and a way. It is a story that should have been told. 100%. There are many more like it that. So many people right. have yeah. sewed things into linings of coats and ran. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I can't wait to see more of them, I guess. But I think it kind of plays into the whole idea of white people being comfortable seeing non-white people in subservient positions or in positions of suffering Mm because that's like a way that they can empathize in a weird way. But also it like doesn't question any power dynamics. Right. Right. I mean, this was something that I felt about the first couple of seasons of Fresh Off the Boat. Mm. Is that, like, I don't think... It's nice in the beginning to see, like, little nods to that, like, maybe white people wouldn't get. Like, either if it's in, like, the set or, like, slipping in and out of Mandarin, like, whatever. Like, that's nice. But then you don't necessarily need to center that. Like, I'm Asian. Like, that does not have to be the centerpiece. You don't have to build everything around that. Sure. Like, I don't think right. every film that happens to feature... Like, I mean, for to All the Boys I Love Before... Right. She's she's supposed to be biracial, right? Yes. Because the dad is fucking Aiden. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It took- she did not come from Aiden. Oh. No. John Corbett. Oh, sorry. <laughs> who plays Aiden on Sex and the City also is cast as the dad in this Netflix rom-com. Too, and yeah. it's surprising, not in a good way necessarily. It's jarring when you figure it out. I felt very fucked up about it. Yeah, I don't know. If Aiden was in the trailer, I didn't notice it because um, Lana Condor is so good. She's great. Also, she's amazing. She's so adorable. She's not getting enough credit. I don't think so either. For how good she is. My letters are my most secret possessions. I write them when I have a crush so intense, I don't know what else to do. 
Lara Jean's like Asian identity was not at the forefront of that film. No. And that was I mean, nice. It's interesting to me because— Weird that—do you think it's weird that it wasn't? Well, a couple of things were interesting to me. One thing was that in the books, they go they call themselves the Song Girls. Oh, right. Um, after their mom's last name. Yeah, yeah. Which is something that they just kind of like— like Oh, that wasn't in the— That's the, not in the movie. Right. But I, I don't know. Like, I think this is sort of where you see how important casting is because I yeah. do kind of think, and from what I understand— even in pre, like when Jenny Han, the author of the book, was shopping the book around or mm. optioning the book around to become a film, you know, like a lot of people wanted to make it a white character. And I think you oh, easily right. could have, right? I think yeah. yes. then she just would have been like a she's all that type character, right. Yeah. right? But I don't know. There was something to me that did strike me as like, an Asian American feeling that okay. I sort of projected onto it of okay. feeling invisible, feeling oh, yeah. kind of second best. Actually, and like yeah. Sort of in the background of things. And even though you're like hot and cute and right. you wear like nice shoes. Right. Yeah. Um, but sort of like thinking that you are just like getting through it, just being like, no one's looking at me. Right. Because right. when her friend calls her out for like being invisible but actually being a bitch or whatever she says in the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> It was something like that. She's like, you think no one's looking at you, but like actually you're a bitch or something rude. <laughs> I don't remember the exact phrasing. But yes, you're right. There is sort of like an Asian American Which you can feeling. sort of, you know, like with a white character, that would have just been like feeling like an outsider. Yeah, like yeah. Kind of introvert me. Right, but like, you know, by casting and having like an Asian American lead, it sort of adds another layer right. unexpectedly. It's that like you can- built into like a stereotype that is, you know... Yeah, it's like part of the world, right? It's like part of a feeling in the world and that sort of taps into that. And so that's kind of interesting to me, right? To think about like model minority bullshit. How casting sort of maybe like creates a narrative Mm -hmm. inevitably, even though the text itself might not lend it. Yeah. You know. Earlier this fall, we also revisited with two of our faves, Jay Hunt and Robert Ackerman, to talk about. One of our weirdly favorite topics, which is strange considering how much his work tends to drive me crazy, but we talked about all things Ryan Murphy, the complicated and problematic yet trying to be woke. I videotaped this because it was on my TV on New York One, I think. Uh, They were doing like an expose on him, and he (sighs) said that he wants to bring Pose to Broadway as a musical. But he knows that he's not the person to do it because he doesn't want to tell the story, but he wants to make it happen. So he's learning. Yeah. Yeah. We're watching him learn in real time. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool. That's like, weird. Like on one hand, he's my daddy. Yeah. And then like on the other <laughs> hand, he's my son. He's like, kind of an auteur He's at this definitely point. an auteur. I mean, once his shit hits Netflix, he's going to be like, that is like auteurhood. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his stuff is on Netflix already. Do you mean like... Oh, I mean like his like the original... Oh, he's got original a deal. Movies. He's got oh. like a whole like three or four year deal with Netflix to just do content for them. Damn. Like, only, not on FX anymore. Yeah. I mean, in a way, that's exciting because he's definitely going to cast Judith Light in something incredible. I hope he's so. He's going to cast Angela Bassett in something incredible. Yeah. And so it's like, as we talked about in the podcast, like, the Ryan Murphy players mm-hmm. are all, for the most part, like, very talented actors who oftentimes are overlooked. That's true. He's like Quentin Tarantino, like, you know how he was, like, known for reviving careers? Yeah. He's like that, but with people who, like, deserve it. <laughs> That's true. Um, That was a really fun talk. I enjoyed. I always enjoy talking to Jay and Robert. So one thing I (laughs) want to talk about before we get into Versace Mm. is I would like to talk 
kind of something that we were touching on about, like, how Ryan Murphy, I don't know, he kind of seems like this, like, sort of, like, shitty diva. He seems like one of those people who just sort of, like, exploits his cast a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yet, I feel like I have to take that back because I think that he has, like, fostered, like, the greatest female casts. We like to call them the Ryan Murphy players. <laughs> so, like, people who show up in every oh, that's show. that's really nice. I but, like that. But it's true, like, he seems a little bit, like, just, like, a little sleazy. Yeah. But then he, like, Sarah Paulson was just, like, doing indies. Yeah, And now true. she has, like, a hundred awards and is, like, she was in she Ocean's was, 8. Yeah. And, like, everything is coming up Sarah Paulson. And he, like, brought Jessica Lange back from, like, like relative obscurity. Right. And he convinces these people to do, like, TV projects, yeah. which is pretty impressive on and its own. And he, like, got Kathy Bates... Like back like, yeah. around that's Julia true. Roberts. Look at that. That's just this little universe. It's gonna yeah, be it's the like, Ryan Murphy players. Like seven degrees <laughs> of great. what yeah. is it? Six degrees, seven Six degrees, degrees of, of Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. It's now gonna be Ryan Murphy. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Except for it's like insular and you can never get yeah. in. <laughs> it's like everyone is one degree of Ryan Murphy and everyone and else is a hundred. You can't get in, but you also cannot get out. Yeah, yeah. you're that's in true. A, you sign something. I in believe blood. Sarah Paulson signed like a blood oath. One hundred percent. That she's like there indefinitely for her the life. rest of her life. Well then you look at the people that are no longer in Ryan Murphy things and they're nowhere. Another lifelong dream I accomplished <laughs> this summer. And I say lifelong, and I mean since I started the podcast, I have wanted to do an episode on the crazy-ass show known as Kid Nation in which a group of children were thrown into the desert into, like, a Western movie set and told that they had to make a functioning society. So fucked up. There was a lot of, like, extreme characters that came out of it. There was a little girl named Taylor who was into beauty pageants, and her catchphrase was, deal with it! (laughs) Um, And we happened to get... Two of— Like icons. We had Mike Klinge, who was kind of this very type A wannabe leader at the time. And then we also had Michael Tote, who uh, was sort of the cool kid who, like, even adults watching the show were like, he seems really cool. (laughs) He's from Portland, Oregon, and had, like, shaggy hair. He was cool. And it was a really, really, really fun combo. It was a blast. You bring up personality, and I feel like both of you filled really particular roles um, in that, you know, Mike, you were sort of like the, I don't know, dare I say, sort of nerdy, like, rule keeper. (laughs) It's okay. You can can lay into me. uh... No, I mean that from, like, a sweet, like, I don't know. I think it's like, as far as, like— I took running the town very seriously. Yeah, exactly. Which is Very seriously. (laughs) No, I mean, and you, like, really threw yourself into town council, and I just think, I think history will remember you as the bold leader that you were trying to be. I guess this is such a silly uh, feather to put in my cap, but, you know, the first episode is titled, I'm Trying to Be a Leader Here, which, of course, was uh, (laughs) me. (laughs) You know, I'm tired, too, but I'm here making an effort to try and make this work. I'm trying to be a leader here, and it's just really disappointing. We all want to go to sleep. Yeah, we do. Well, you know, it's so funny because I just, I didn't choose to be on the town council from the, from the get-go. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, wanted to be on the show and then they kind of called me back and were like, oh, and, uh, by the way, um, you're going to be having kind of a a special part from the get-go here. I like how they set you guys up for success too, by like... Putting us in a helicopter and immediately like... uh, They had 36 of us. 36 yeah, of us there, and, like, we can count and figure out there's, like, four missing, and they're, like... I don't remember exactly how it happened now, but there's the whole tease thing they do in reality TV where it's, like, and your leaders are arriving 
right now. But don't worry, you've got each other. You've also got four leaders. And they were chosen because they represent all of you in age, geography, everything. They're your town council. And I think I hear them coming right now. And it's yeah. <laughs> the guy's like literally soar in on like a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been yeah. on like this dusty fucking bus ride for like an hour. Yeah, that was and for us it's like you know, there um we definitely had our reservations too, where uh, they put us in the helicopter and we're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um and then we kind of as soon as we get off the get off of it and start talking to the um the other 36 kids, we realize that like, oh man, these guys have just been on this bus for like God, <laughs> six hours, eight hours on a school bus. And oh, I I can see now. I can see what they did to us. Okay. That's, okay. It's such a yep. it's such a bummer because you were like so stoked with your hat and your lead, you're like ready to lead. I'm feeling like really stressed and really worried. It's just been really tough. I guess I'm just gonna have to keep pushing. Yeah. Get dropped off in a helicopter and they just like swat you down real quick. Everybody was like, okay, these assholes. It's uh, funny because right. they're like, oh, let's let kids start a society because they're like have all this naivety and innocence. But let's also make sure that the leaders show up like in aristocratic like <laughs> carriage yeah. of some yeah, sort. Yeah, let's immediately institute some um some social uh some social division there. I think they were both about fourteen when we talked about what it means to be a 14-year-old reality star. But it was really interesting to see how they both kind of looked back really affectionately on the experience. Right. Neither of them viewed it as damaging to themselves at all. Neither of them really get recognized anymore, and which is kind of ideal, I guess, if you... I would say so. You know, it's like they put them on screen at their most awkward, and then they got to, like, grow up out of that. A blessing, really, I would say. It was a cute talk. <laughs> Sometimes it sucked, but it was uh, it was really, really fascinating all the time. So I'm glad we did it. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess to piggyback off that, the thing that I would say is that I do think, you know, especially like over the past week in just the past couple of years, I do think there's like, there's kind of a touching idea at the heart of Kid Nation, which is, which is just that, you know, there are there's an aspect to younger people that is sometimes refreshing. I think you saw it in like the Parkland children most recently. Uh, they're not really yeah. children; they're absolutely adults in how they conduct themselves. And yeah, you know, more than a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, so, when you look at this past week and you think about you know the spoiled assholes who may or may not become Supreme Court justices and throw tantrums in the middle of the floor, you can remember that, like, you know, there's a point in time where, like, there's there's some 11-year-olds out in a New Mexico desert that managed to handle themselves a little bit better under yeah. oh. scrutiny as oh. well. And uh, I, I think I that's important to remember. <laughs> we're both, like, weeping. Yeah, we're both, like, clutching our hearts. <laughs> this is what yeah, he does, was... man. This is how he does it. You see, That was really nice. It. Thank you. Still doing <laughs> It's been yeah. such a long fucking week. This episode was one of my favorites because of the subject and because of the company. June was the 20th anniversary of a show that has impacted my life, the lives of many 
Sex in the City. It's a show that we talk about in Dirty as Dirt quite often. It's a show that I reference maybe once a week. We dedicated an entire episode to the four gals, Carrie, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte. And we created a foursome here with Joanna Rothkoff and Bobby Finger. I was going to try to say who is the Carrie, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte of the four of us, but I like can't do that. <laughs> I'm the bus. Okay. I'm a Maragda. <laughs> a Maragda. Um, Oh, I'm a Miranda probably with like a dash of Carrie, which makes me want to die. I think everybody has like a dash of Carrie. I really don't want to talk about it. It's very upsetting. Yeah, a dash of Carrie. Yeah. I'm the Stanford. We had a great talk with them as we always do. I believe it was also during this episode where we got to hear the full breadth of Maddie's Sex in the City impressions. Dirty as dirt? More like dirty bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Miranda? Oh, Scoobs the ghost. I'm Steve. Okay. That's pretty good. How can you have sex with that person? Oh, so cute. Not a bad Steve. Oh, where's the baby? Where's the baby, Miranda? (laughs) (laughs) You take care of the baby. (laughs) All I can do. (laughs) (laughs) We had a great talk. I have a baby. I'm triggered now. Let's have a baby. Yep, still triggered. Thank you. Um, just just take it. You know what? Just take a listen. Aiden sucks. I hate Aiden with the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> I'm getting so angry right now. He's just like <laughs> disgusting with his dumb little string necklace and his unbuttoned chambray shirts. And just like anybody who's like, I'm team Aiden. I'm just like, get out of my face. Get out. <laughs> like if that's the type of person that you are into, I have no interest and hearing more. It never made sense yeah. that anyone would think that they would make sense. So Come it's on, like... Care Bear, 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 Boo, Boo, Boo. Yeah, and it's like, do you Bobby, know... Bobby, Bobby, Boo, Boo. And he, she cheats Ew. on him like 800 times. She does. It's also annoying of Carrie to like pretend that she's into him. It's yeah. like that friend That's, being like, oh, I'm dating a, like a woodworker now. And you're like, you don't like wood. Like, you like you've never Donald looked Trump. at wood in your life. <laughs> like you don't give a yeah. shit about furniture. You just like get Donald out of Trump. here. Right. And it's like, stop pretending like this is a life you can have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and she hates also, him. She hates everything about him. She does. Every everything. single thing about him bothers her. And then it's like, why do I care that he's upset when she cheats on him? And why do I care that like the relationship didn't last? I recently watched the episode where she goes to his furniture store for the first time. And his dog, Pete, mm. a victim in all of this. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like Save throws Pete. the dog. Like, the dog, like, comes running up, and it's just, like, supposed to show, like, how woodsy and wild he is. Right. But he's like, come here, Pete. Come here, Pete. And then he picks the dog up and then just rockets him across Off the stage. Like. Yeah, I, I can picture him rocketing <laughs> Pete. Hey, Pete, there you go. <laughs> like, again, I understand why, given the options, people would like Steve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do not. I get to make the three-point shot. The half-court shot. You know how at halftime at the Knicks game and they pick somebody to try to make a half-court shot for a million-dollar prize? Kind of, but go ahead. Well, next Tuesday, it's fucking me. (laughs) She's just like, you're not going to get it. (laughs) Yeah, he's nice. Yeah, but he's dumb. He's really dumb. I also don't like how... Smart privilege. Yeah, that's right. Men can be dumb. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I work for Jezebel. Like, is there like one person that you would be like, oh yeah, I would date that guy in one second? I have one. Okay. Well, I have many. 
But sure. John Sterling, the politician. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, he would let him pee on you. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Many times. Repeatedly. Yeah. I would have, like, a secret affair with, because he'd be like, we would only be able to, like, meet while he's in a mask and, like, go to, like, some <laughs> yeah. weird place, like, in Westchester for dinner. <laughs> yeah. But I would. Have to go to in Westchester. Yeah, like, fine. <laughs> okay. Cool. I'm fine. I think uh, he's, I, yeah, I think he's my... He's my one. Who I'm else? trying to think. Never Aiden. No. Oh. Never Aiden. In my mind, I feel like part of me feels like I could make big I'm burger work. I could Same. I think I could I make, make like burger I could make work. It work. But I, I think that's like because in, we've all we all know a burger. <laughs> I, like I would give made, it an honest try and I then like, I'd realize like yeah. I couldn't make burger work. <laughs> yeah. I could go to work I, like I'd be like, guys, like, I, I couldn't long, make burger work. I was a long time <laughs> and I this is so embarrassing in retrospect, but I was like a burger defender for a long Same. time. Same. I love yeah. burgers. But I think it's just because I loved Ron Livingston so much. Yeah. I love his beard. I love that he's like a funny writer. He's cute. And it's very funny, like after working in media and writing for like so many years I'm just like oh god I know so many burgers and I hate him yeah I agree he's cute but I definitely would like I would probably date him and then he would be like the one that all my friends were like oh I can't believe like I remember when you dated that guy (laughs) right you would date him (laughs) we would all date him and then you would break up and you'd be like blah blah and then you'd get into Jezebel Slack and everyone would be like oh burger that fucking guy (laughs) we all dated burger (laughs) (laughs) and everyone would hate him Okay, so 2018, as we've already covered, a bunch of shit happened that we don't remember. Here's something that happened that I certainly didn't remember until just now. Samantha B called Ivanka Trump a feckless cunt. Let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c- He listens to you. Yeah, that was such a big deal. Right? It was a huge deal for like at least, what, two weeks, three weeks? Yeah. I don't even remember. It's funny because she is a feckless cunt. Yeah. But another woman calling a woman a feckless cunt on television really, really ruffled some feathers. We had Joe Livingston of The New Republic, who's very smart, to talk to us about the history of the word cunt, why it's good, why it's bad, why it's way more okay in England than it is here. They actually, like, legit studied linguistics at Oxford. Yeah. So they're very smart. Very smart. Talking to two dum-dums. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's accent is so uh, lulling. The accent is nice and All also, I ever want is to be like called a cunt by that. By, yeah. Cunt. Thank you. Yeah, but it sounds, <laughs> it sounds a lot better when you say it. Thank you. I love to say it. So Maddie and I will not do justice to what Joe said on the podcast. So why don't you listen to them do it instead? I mean, when you talk about linguistics, you talk about it from like a very educated background. Uh, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I have some, I used to be an academic and I've got some academic background in it. But also I'm just from London where just like every other word, you know, like, oh, good morning, cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everyone's just constantly calling each other cunts in the most affectionate possible way. I Um, love that. It's a very different usage. Of course, it's, it's gendered in a sense, but it's not something that you would say in anger to a woman. Right. You know, as an of, insult. You wouldn't hurl insult, it as an insult. You, you right. might, but that is not its predominant usage, right? Right. Um, and I kind of tried to get my head around this in the article. There's no real simple explanation as to why things are different here than they are right. in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of like usage developing over time. Right. There's right. no secret to it, but it is quite funny as like a 
British person to be here, especially with other Brits sometimes in a bar, just to like say the word cunt really loudly and people get a bit like, just <laughs> yeah. a, bit, a bit fidgety, a, yeah, bit, right. a bit like twitchy in Ooh, the eye. Kind <laughs> of like uncomfortable, but they're not sure if they should say anything or exactly, not. But they're just like, <laughs> Because then they're like, oh, am I going to be offensive to the British people by, like, being offended by the word cunt? It's a really funny, like, dance. It's really good. That sounds... like, yes. You that's, say it. That sounds like a fun party trick. Yeah, it's good. I like that. Well, this article that you're mentioning that you wrote mm-hmm. for the... TNR. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of, like, what, basically in, like, response to Samantha B mm-hmm. calling Ivanka Trump... A feckless cunt because she is a feckless cunt. She abs- absolutely. Mm. Um, and sort of like how it goes back to Middle English, basically, where it had kind of like a beautiful meeting. Yeah. I was really struck by people, you know, and obviously these people on the right instrumentalizing this news story in order to gain leverage and then do with Create, that leverage you know. what, you know, their satanic will. But um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I was right. really struck yeah. by those people on the right calling it a slur. Yeah. Which, like, that's it's, interesting. It's yeah. really not, you know, like a slur is a word that has been removed from our vocabulary, you know, like forcibly, and norms have been created to prevent people saying it because it, like, enacts harm upon yeah, uh, it's usually like, right. a vulnerable population, right? It's oppressive. Exactly. It's a weaponized word. Right. Exactly. Like, cunt has never been used to, you know, like, literally control women in society. It's right. like. We have other mechanisms for there that. There are other. <laughs> yeah, so many other we ways. Have, we had laws for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have gender. We have gender. We, didn't we don't need, need words. the word cunt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's void. It's empty. It's just an exploitation of, like, the mechanisms that drive a news story now. And, yeah. Um, and affect change, right? Like, this is actually how it works. These days, yeah. This is how people get fired. This is how people lose their jobs, like, and get cancelled for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's soulless. It's depressing. And I think that's why, it's why I wanted to write about it, is that it takes this really, like, rich and evocative word, which, you know, beloved by cunts and those who love cunts, <laughs> and it, it carries so much kind of intangible culture and interesting politics inside it. And then to exploit some completely fake sense of its meaning for such hollow, hollow, hollow purposes. So cynical. But it's like specifically depressing in this instance because of the very richness and like, also the kind of like nihilistic joy of the word cunt, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. It's like, it's kind of inverting its nihilism into something like just fucking boring. God, that's so (laughs) right. How dare they make cunt boring? How dare they? I'm alone in my house. (laughs) I'm out on the dam. <laughs> um, I'm at the bottom of a bottle. Um, uh, wow, was Lady Gaga in here? Oh my God. Stephanie, is that you? Okay, she left. Look what I found. Bye. <laughs> this 2018 wrap-up would not be complete without talking about... The movie of the year. The movie of the year. The, the breakout pop star of the year, Allie. Allie, spelled Ally. The Star is Born really consumed a large part of the fall for me. I was telling Maddie earlier that I have gotten back into the soundtrack, and I don't know why. I don't know what is wrong with me. Because it's a good soundtrack. I've been listening to Why Did You Do That? And Hair, Body, Face. Hair, Body, Face, 
I got really stoned and made dinner on Sunday and listened yeah. to both of those like on my headphones because my roommate was watching TV. And had he come into the living room, he would have witnessed like a very embarrassing like choreographed routine that like centered the cat. Oh. Um, it's cool. He didn't. I'm fine. I originally saw it in theaters with a friend, and then because we're Writers Guild, we got the screener. Yeah. Braggsies. Okay. So we watched it at home, and afterwards, my boyfriend was singing along to Why Did You Do That? Mm -hmm. But he said the lyric says, Why did you text me my boyfriend's info? <laughs> Is the lyrics he made. What? <laughs> He did. And it truly destroys me oh my thinking God. about it. <laughs> Why did you text me? My boyfriend's <laughs> info. We had Lindsay Weber, friend of the podcast. Yes, host uh, of Who Weekly. Yeah. She came on to talk to us about so many things about this stupid movie that I love. Um, did not cry the first time. Sobbed like a baby the second time. Again. Um, I cried both times. I don't know what's wrong I with am, me. Like, Something about uh, growing into my 30s, I have become like a real crier. A crier, yeah. I cry all the time. And I like, it's kind okay. of, and I like it. It's nice. I Imp love the feeling of just like purging liquid from my body. <laughs> I love to cry. But we did not cry during our conversation with Lindsay. No, we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. We, there's a lot of riotous laughter. You know, sometimes it's a thin line. It, I, it's true. <laughs> I'm surprised that we didn't laugh so much that we started crying. I've been on that thin line many times in mm -hmm. 2018. <laughs> a Star is Born, I think, like pushed me over. But it was a great conversation. Lindsay's wonderful. One thing that I do remember us talking about was why did you do that? And whether or not it was supposed to be a good pop song or like intentionally a bad pop song. Yes. And I believe all, maybe just me and Lindsay came down on the side that it was supposed to be bad. Because the whole movie, she felt slightly off in a way where she didn't look like Lady Gaga. Yeah. She looked like this alt version of a pop star where if Lady Gaga had followed a different sliding doors path, she yeah, could have yeah, been. Totally. You know, like, and why did you do that to me? Sounds like a seaside off of fame monster, which what, like, yeah. which, you know, I would have loved, but I <laughs> like recognize is bad. Exactly. Um, but, like, that's really subtle. Like That is yeah. subtle. That's subtle posturing. And, like, I thought that was really brilliant and that was... I don't know how much it was Bradley Cooper, but it was a lot of the songwriters thinking yeah. about what is going to sound like a real song, but sound bad. <laughs> Maybe I was just giving Bradley Cooper too much credit. Never, Let's yeah. never just do that. Just in that, no, no. like, there's that really, like, heartbreaking scene where he's drunk and talking to her in the bath, and it's just being oh, so like that. cruel. That was, that um, was bad. And I was just like... I don't know, when he just, like, is, like, insulting how she looks. Yeah. Insulting. Yeah. I guess my feeling was, like, oh, this is someone who's not in the right. I love that. Like, it could have just been, like, right, he was such an asshole. But there were no, elements of him, like, I tried to mold you into, like, an artist, a real artist. Like, yeah, you right. have real talent. And why'd you do that to me is not, not like, it. up to your talent or whatever. And that song and he was, is insane. That song is insane and he's right. Yeah, and then I was shamed. You were shamed. And then Diane Warren, who wrote the song, yeah, was my, like— my girl, Diane. Your best friend, Diane Warren. She was, was like, I don't write bad songs. Yeah, she's like, fuck you, Megan and Lindsay. Maddie, let's get lunch. And that's what happened. <laughs> yes, then I had lunch with Diane Warren. And it was amazing. Moving on. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, we talked about the nature of camp and as it relates to the movie, how the movie is about— really so much of the movie is about trauma. Yeah, trauma and addiction. 
Right, which a lot of coverage of the movie, I think, glosses over. And how Bradley Cooper really made his face an alcoholic. But his bod. But his bod was, was like, uh, perfectly sober. Bradley Cooper should have been fatter. Yeah. Okay, I said that, and it was a little bit of a problematic was statement it? because someone said to me, and they were— Oh, God. Okay. Right, well, it's like, you know, alcoholics can be any uh, can be any size. They can be fit, too. And I said— <sighs> Uh, that's not why I think you should have been if fatter, If you're a rock though. star no, that's and you're exactly not— that's why I think you should have oh. been fatter. Well, if you're a rock star and you're not taking care of— You know, like, didn't look, didn't look he was, like he was working out at the gym is what I'm saying. Like, that yeah. didn't fit into his narrative. I understand that people who have, problem, like, addiction problems can look however they— You can look they, you, any, however, any human. You can look any way. But anyway. you're right. The fact that they kept showing off his very hunky torso yeah. in many very obvious ways, like— it's like when he gets, like, the steroid shot. Yeah, and when like, he's, like, that's approaching— like, When I saw, like, his body, like, his ass. Yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, like, you're hot, I guess. Yeah. That I was weird. It was like, like he was wearing an old mask, but then like a, hung, a hot body. His face was so confusing. Yeah. I get why people would be like, yeah, like anybody can be yeah. an addict. Yeah. But it's just like, I do think that if you're an alcoholic for long enough, your body shows it. Yeah. That's and so true. this was just his face had shown it. Yeah. It was just like the ruddy, like the self tanner, the perma squint. The like, but that's why it's like his, okay, uh, Irish complexion. We'll would call it. have Clint <laughs> Eastwood? Nice. Would you have believed a Clint Eastwood more? I think I would have. Not that he, he would have been better, he but would I not think have been he better, would have been more better believable. casted. Yeah. Well, he was originally going to direct this, right? Yeah, and maybe star in it. Too. Yike! Yeah. An older actor could have maybe been more For convincing sure. in terms of look, but like Bradley Cooper, like a little more probity. Yeah, like a little bit more like. Disheveled. Grizzled. Naturally disheveled. Naturally disheveled, mm-hmm. not fake I, tanner disheveled. But again, his voice, very elderly. Yeah, his, My voice goodness. Had, his voice had seen many things. As if it had been like in the back of a closet and like dragged out and aired out. I also am really excited to see Gaga's red carpet looks. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see Gaga's performance at the Oscars. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do on the Oscar stage. Bradley Cooper must piss himself. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Just uh, as a a part of to honor his own work. Yeah, yeah. He must piss himself. Halsey has to introduce him, and then (laughs) he has to piss himself. Again, they should let us host the Oscars. Just kidding. Hosting the Oscars? Can you imagine? No, Maddie, I would die. (laughs) I would have a nervous breakdown. The amount of times that we would like say something and then be like, I don't know, we're tired. We would be fired. I and would yeah, f- then we'd be like, Rachel, can you edit that out? And then they would be like, Rachel isn't here. This is not your dumb podcast. The big hook that's not, that they have on Showtime at the Apollo would come out yeah. and drag us off stage. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast. This episode was produced by Rachel Withers and was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Majinu Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. You can find us on Spotify, NPR One, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 